Hey, hey, what is up, y'all? This is the Bear of Texas, right back at you for another episode of the Bear of Texas podcast. Tonight, I fly solo, and I've got a very special episode for you folks today. As of recently, many people have wondered why I am a strong supporter of the French national team. Well, in this episode, I'm going to explain to you why. And I'm going to explain to you my life and journey of being a strong supporter because, well, if you're a true soccer fan and you know how France is in soccer, the national team, you'll understand why it's such a difficult journey. So let's get right to it. Well, first of all, a lot of you probably don't know, but I was actually born in France. That's right. I was actually born in uh, Lyon. That's a city in the south uh, near the Alps. I was born to Syrian immigrants who are already French citizens. I was born there January 18th, 1993, and uh, just uh, recently, five days ago, it was my uh, 27th birthday, just uh, letting y'all know I just turned 27. So I was born in France. Um, I did not get into soccer until I was about two years old. Um, that's when I was actually watching with my dad, because around that time when my dad was a much younger man, he was a very, very keen follower of the sport of soccer. He was... According to my mom, he was a die-hard supporter of Olympique de Marseille. And during that time, Olympique de Marseille was a very, very good club. I believe, I mean, I don't know too much about how the League One was back then. I mean, uh, but according to my dad, back then, League One, it was not like today. It was very competitive. It was fun to watch. It was, like, better to follow. It wasn't just like, you know, one club all of a sudden, you know, takes charge immediately, starts winning games and has and whole, it stays on top the whole entire season. Back then it was it was different. I mean, there was changes, there was so much excitement. The point is it was it was just it was a whole lot different back then. And lucky for my dad, it was a good time to, to enjoy it. Anyway, so he was a, a strong supporter of Olympique de Marseille, but he loved soccer overall. He would according to my mom, he would watch the, the Premier League even watch La Liga, he would watch Real Madrid and Barcelona. But the way, I, uh, the way, from what I understand how my parents have explained to me about, about how, you know, my dad followed soccer, he didn't necessarily have a favorite team. I mean, besides Marseille, I mean, my dad just loved watching competitive soccer. I mean, that was it. So my very first big memory of soccer is when I was two years old, and I witnessed the infamous Eric Cantona kicking incident, or as Maybe I should call it the Kung Fu incident. I was two years old. I was just watching with my dad. I was, you know, father and son soccer watching moment. Watching the game. And then I remember Eric Cantona was shown the red card. He's walking. And then, boom, the kick happens. I really didn't react well. I mean, I, I just kind of went like, oh, wow, what did he just do? And then, my, and then I remember my dad screaming and, like, <laughs> overreact. I mean, I don't know if I should say overreacting to it. But my dad was not happy. And my dad just turned around and said, See, son, that's an easy way to, to mess up your career. Well, that infamous uh, uh, Kung Fu kick incident, well, it really did have a great effect on Eric Cantona. And I'm actually going to get to that in a little bit. So my very first major tournament... Well, first of all, I don't even know if I answer the question fully. So the reason why I support the French national team is because I'm a Frenchman. I, uh, I'm, I'm French-American. I hold citizenship in both France and the United States, and I'm very proud to be a French-American patriot. So that's why I support France. But don't worry, fellow American patriots, I also support the United States. Don't worry. So anyway, my very, very first tournament for France was the 1996 Euro. 
Now, the big news uh, from that as well, we all, uh, some of y'all probably know, if y'all were a big supporter, like, you know, European soccer, the, the infamous omission of Eric Cantona, well, that was the big story at the beginning. Because I remember my dad talking about it and freaking out about it. Now, in my case, I was only three years old. Like, I really didn't. I didn't know any of the players, to be honest. I mean, I mean this was my first tournament, so I, I knew none of the players. I just told my dad, since we're French, we live in France, I'm supporting France. It's only logical. And I understood, like, how my dad was, like, looked at me and says, well, he's three years old. He doesn't know any better. But if he, if he follows a sport, one day he's going to learn and he's going to be he's gonna be upset or about disappointed that this happened. So, the 1996 Euro, I mean, I, I watched every game. I told I made sure my parents, uh, since it was the summer, I didn't have school. I, I told my parents to be sure. They woke me up. They made sure I was on the TV because I wanted to watch the games. Because I wanted to learn the sport better. Now, France, they were a team. They were not very good at Well, they weren't good at all because France was coming off a failure to qualify for the 1994 World Cup. Um, a good friend of mine and mentor, Steve Adams, uh, he told me how the whole thing happened. How France was was on the verge of qualifying. They just had to finish their last two games. And they lost, uh, they lost both whole games. They lost the first game to Israel. They lost to Bulgaria. It was such a nightmare. I mean, my dad even told me how much of a nightmare it was. I mean, he says people were crying. I mean, my dad himself was super disappointed, but he was like, you know what? This is what happens when you become too arrogant and you, and you don't come ready to play. So anyway, so France had failed to qualify for the 1994 World Cup. And then it was time for a rebuild. Image Jacquet took over and started rebuilding the team. And Image Jacquet util- utilized a strategy to bring in some new players, some very new, new faces. Now, the omission of Cantona really put a bad taste on him. I mean, he was not well-liked by the media for it. But you know what? Jackie is one of those guys who really didn't give a shit. So, I'm watching. And then, uh, there's a certain player who catches my eye. Catches my attention. And that certain player is none other than Zinedine Zidane. I don't know exactly what it was that caught my attention. It wasn't his name. It wasn't his looks. Okay, well, maybe his name. Because his name is pretty cool. Maybe that caught my attention. I just remember seeing him play well. I'm like, wow, this guy's dribbling well. He's, he's creating chances. He's making passes. He's good. I like this guy. But Zidane was only 24 years old at the time. Uh, I believe during that time, he was still with Bordeaux. If uh, if I'm correct, the Juventus transfer was actually a couple days after the Euro, the Euro 96 ended. But... But much to my surprise, I told my dad, look, I know you don't like France very much. They're not very good. But come on, we need to have faith in our national team. And much to everybody's surprise, France managed to make it to the final four. And I told my dad, you see, when you doubt them, you just motivate them to do better. Now, unfortunately, France failed to the Czech Republic in the penalty shootout, as many of y'all know. That did not go well for me because, according to my mom, as France lost... I was so unhappy. I ran and locked myself in my room. Well, my dad was actually out of town for that for that semifinal game. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, me being three years old, me being very heartbroken, my team lost. I was so distraught. I locked myself in my room, so my mom had to find a way to solve the whole thing, and she did. And, and she said, you know what? Fr- France did a lot of good things. They, they defied the odds. They went farther than anybody said. So France did win in a sense. And I said, okay, you know what? You're right. So France does deserve respect. So that was my first tournament, and it, it, it was it was a lot of fun because France was it wasn't just you know France you know being an interesting group. I mean France was in a, in a group with uh, 
Spain, Bulgaria, and Romania. And I thought, oh man, that game against Bulgaria, if Bulgaria does this again, you know, it's not going to end well. But France actually ended up taking care of business and they finished the group play undefeated with two wins and a draw and, and topped the group. So I told my dad, see, this is a good start. So Amy Jacquet is doing a good job. And I told my dad, and furthermore, dad, maybe maybe the omission of Eric Cantona is not so bad. And my dad's like, no, because if we had Eric Cantona, we would have won all three games. We would have scored more. And I said, okay, dad, just forget about Cantona. I mean, I actually told my dad to his face. Forget about Eric Cantona. <laughs> I don't know if I pissed him off or not, but pretty sure he didn't like hearing it. But France advancing the semifinals was very special. Now let me take a moment and talk about Eric Cantona. I respect him. Um, now if, if people ask me if he's one of my favorite players, the only reason why I say, well, he's not really a favorite player to be considered because I did not watch him play. I mean, I watched a little bit of his Manchester United days, but I I really did not watch his career, and in my opinion, when it comes to selecting a favorite player, it's got to be a player that you actually watch, like a lot. And it's, unfortunately, Eric Cantona was before my time. I mean, Cantona was the superstar, and then before him, there was Michel Platini. Now those guys, I mean, I, I like what they did, but the, my point is, they were before my time, so and since I didn't watch those guys, I can't, uh, I can't consider them favorites. But anyway, now we go on to the 1998 World Cup. That was a real, that was a real special treat. Unfortunately, I was not in France. I mean, this we had just moved to the to the United to the United States. Um, the 1998 World Cup was just one of the best things I've, I've ever watched in my life. I told my dad, France is gonna fight hard. France is not going down without a fight. And just and previous days before. Critics had their doubts on France because France came to that tournament ranked 24th, I believe. I could be wrong, but I know that France was way out of the top 10. I mean, they were not even in the top 20. I mean, I, if I was if if I was to make a strong prediction, I really think that they were they were ranked 24th. But anyway, the 1998 World Cup was just was just one of the greatest things that I watched because France won it all. Now the, now, the group stage was very something special because France finished the group stage undefeated. Although they did have, you know, a bit of inferior opponents. I mean, they beat South Africa, Saudi Arabia, and then they beat Denmark in their in, in, the, in that final group game. And I remember watching, and I told my dad, "Nah." And my dad said, "You know, if France wins it all, if France wins this third game, that just boosts the motivation." Now I remember, like, now this is when Zidane was becoming my 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 childhood hero. If, if it's all of you don't, uh, for those of you who don't know, I consider Zinedine Zidane my childhood hero. He's still my hero today. Now, unfortunately, that game against Saudi Arabia, we all we all know how he had the he, he stomped that Saudi player and got sent off, was suspended for two games, and then and then he was just being hated further because after the 1996 Euro, he was still not well liked because people did not like the fact that he replaced Eric Cantona as the next big superstar. So, right, so France prevails in the round of 16 against Paraguay. We all remember that you know Laurent Blanc. That first, it was the if if I remember correct, it was the game. It was the very first. Um, Golden goal, a golden goal in, in World Cup history, if, if I'm correct. I mean, that game against Paraguay was just such a nail biter. I mean, the the Paraguayan goalkeeper Chilavera, or I'm not sure how to pronounce it, if I'm saying his name correctly, but y'all know who I'm talking about, making all those fantastic saves. I'm just like, damn, this this game is not gonna end. Like, not even an extra time. But then you know, Laurent Blanc ends it, and then, and then we advance, and then we played Italy in the quarterfinals. A goalless draw. It had to be decided on penalties. And um, 
Zinedine Zidane did come back. Uh, he, he came back to the team. Um, but you know what? Italy was just, you know, so well organized. It was just so tough. So France had to, uh, had to rely on, on, uh, Dimitrio Albertini and Louis Di Baggio for Italy missing their penalties. And then, and now we go to that infamous 1998, uh, semifinal of Croatia. Well, what a game that was. I mean, Croatia takes the lead. Uh, after Davor Suker, you know, literally, you know, humiliated that French defense. But it was only a minute later that Lilian Turam, the, the same defender who committed the blunder that allowed Croatia to score, makes it up by scoring himself. And then in the 69th minute, he scored again, making it France 2-1. to one. So in that game, it was Lilian Turam who became a hero. Now we get to the... F- Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry about that. So now we get to the 98 final. What a special day. I came to my dad. And I told him, Dad, France is going to win this game. And he's like, son, this, they're playing Brazil. They're defending champions. Brazil has a guy named Ronaldo. Brazil's too good. I mean, France is just lucky to be in the final. I told my dad, look, would you stop it? Would you stop downing France and, just, and, and cheer for them for once? So he says, alright, fine, sure, they'll win. I knew that was just sarcasm coming out of my dad's mouth, but... Then all of a sudden, Zinedine Zidane scores via header. It's one nothing. I look at my dad and say, you see? We're good. And my dad says, okay, France got lucky. Brazil's gonna equalize like two, in, in, like, in like five minutes. That didn't happen, did it? Nope. Right before the, right before the break... Again, another header scores a goal. It's 2 nothing. So I turn to my dad and say, well, is that luck or is this is Brazil getting their ass kicked? And my, and my dad's just totally silent. The second half was just so hard fought. I remember a defender, uh, uh, Max, uh, I forgot his name. Uh, it was a French defender who was sent off. I know his first name is Marcel. I forgot what his, uh, full name was. But anyway, um, French player was sent off, a defender was sent off, and that really, you know, that, that, that put a lot of pressure on France, but I'm surprised for the French defense was still able to be so resilient. Oh, it was Marcel Desailly, that was the guy's name. So anyway, he was sent off, but the Brazilian attack just could not respond. I mean, they put pressure, but France was just like, nah, not today. And then Emmanuel Petit, in uh, injury time, added a third goal, and that was it. France won. 1998 World Cup. Heroes were born. Zinedine Zidane, Lilian Thuram, Laurent Blanc. The whole national team became national heroes. And do you know what? This, during that time, France still like today struggling with racism. This French team, a lot of players we know who have, have dark skin, this was a way to strike a blow against racism. Because it doesn't matter what color your skin is. If you're French, you're French and you have the right to represent your country. And France winning that tournament really brought a lot of respect and pride for the French Republic. And for me, I was only five years old, but I, rem- I watched every game religiously. I studied them. I mean, I just, just I did like like I do as a sports writer today. I did a, 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 a mental examination. I examined the games. I see how the players are playing. I see the tactics. I see everything. I was just studying the sport. Well, that, that's it for the 98 World Cup. Now, 
I really don't have to bring up 2002. I mean, 2000, the 2002 tournament, you know, losing to Senegal, failing to score a goal, being humiliated, you know, being thrown out of the tournament was just... It was a hard pill to swallow, although I'm pretty sure I didn't react the same way I did after the, after the 1996 elimination. Now, 2006 was just... It was quite a surprise, because... During the qualifiers, France was just not getting anything done right. France was almost on the verge of... France was just draws, you know, horrible losses. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, come on. Is this the the end of France's dominance? Well, maybe it ended in 2002. Speaking of of the dominance, you know, I missed the 2000 Euro. But, I mean, France, you know, winning the World Cup and then winning the Euro, I mean, that was just, you know, France's period of dominance. But now as we get to 2006, because I need to kind of get to straight to the point. So 2006, you know, I mean, the group stage, you know, France didn't have a group qualified. I mean, the return of Zinedine Zidane, Claude McAlealy, and Lilian Thuram during the qualifiers really helped France get back to that winning, back to that winning groove. Now, they get to the uh, tournament. They did finish undefeated in group stage play, but that was one wins and two draws. So that's not very convincing. Now... The knockout stage, how France progressed in the knockout stage, absolutely blew me out of the water. Beating Spain in the round of 16. Beating Brazil. And you know that game, the quarterfinals, 2006, France and Brazil. We all remember how Zinedine Zidane humiliated the defending champions. I mean, Brazil was absolutely overwhelmed. Brazil could not even threaten a score. Brazil was just... Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't even. I I, I I can't even. You know, describe it. Because if, if y'all remember this game, y'all remember how France just shocked the world, humiliated Brazil, and sent them home. And in the semifinal, they played Portugal, which was kind of a, of a similar game. I mean, France uh, winning one nothing. But you know, France was just so resilient on the midfield and on the defense. It was just a solid team. Now they get to the final. They play Italy. Now that's a game that really, really made me cry. Is my childhood hero. I mean, you know what? To be look, Zinedine Zidane, the headbutt. You know what? He did what he did. I forgave him. But I'll be honest. Marco Materazzi control. He, he control. He, he can send trolls. He can make fun of. He can disrespect my hero all he wants. But I don't care. Zinedine Zidane was still my hero. I accepted his apology. France lost. I had to move on, and I could care less what Materazzi thought. It was just a, it was a hard game. You know, France had all their chances to win or to score to win. France, France just, just was just like not getting it done. I mean, I don't know if it was the pressure or maybe if they just their, their mentality was was off balance. It doesn't matter. France just didn't get the job didn't get the job done. But what really what I really remember is that a guy named Marco Materazzi disrespected my childhood hero, and that made me hate Materazzi. I mean, even today I probably still say you know I don't like him. He's really not even that good. But you know what? I mean, we all have our opinions on certain players. But when it comes to Marco Marazzi, I just tell people, I just simply say, I really don't give a damn about him anyway. Juan, who cares? Zinedine Zidane accomplished more in his career than Marazzi ever did. So there's that. This is just me because Zidane's my hero. Now, unfortunately, the loss in the World Cup final was just the beginning to what would lead to a, an absolute collapse. I don't have to get into detail. 2008, how France is, you know, losing the Netherlands 4 to 1, that draw against Romania, and then losing to Italy, and then and then 
it was that time Raymond, uh, the manager Raymond Domenech. A lot of people wanted wanted him sacked, but it didn't ha it didn't it did not happen. Now did it? It didn't. But you know, my dad, my dad actually, I, I don't know if, how he explained, but he says that Raymond was not to blame. Now, now personally, I told my dad. You can't just blame the manager. I mean, the whole team fucked up. The whole team was an absolute disappointment. So it's a fucking team effort. And my dad agreed to that. Now, now we go on to the 2010 World Cup qualifying. Now, this was a very, very sad moment for me because aside from Zinedine Zidane, Thierry Henry is a player that I, I loved watching. I can't tell you how much... You know, you know how much I loved Henri. I mean, I watched him play for Arsenal. I mean, Henri was is my second favorite French player of all time. I mean, he's probably my my second favorite uh, footballer of all time. I mean, nobody will ever be, no one will ever uh, shine over Zidane, in my opinion. But but anyway, we all know the infamous uh, the infamous uh, handball, and this basically put a horrible stain not only on Henri, but it. it, it it really damaged the reputation of the French national team because France literally stole their way into the World Cup, into, into, into the into the World Cup, you know, into the final uh, tournament. But you know what? Look, to all, to all my Irish supporters out there, look, France. I'll, I'll be the first to say France did not deserve to be in the 2010 World Cup. And no, I'm not saying that just because I want you guys to think, hey, I mean, you know, Alex is cool, Alex is this and that. It's the fucking truth, folks. France did not deserve to be in there. Ireland did. And to my Irish supporters, I apologize for the actions of the French national team. I do. And I'm not surprised France had a horrible tournament. Because you know what? To be honest, even though I was supporting them in a sense, I had no passion. I knew they were going to get their ass kicked. I knew they were going to they were gonna accomplish a thing. So, they get humiliated. They get thrown out of the tournament. And then Raymond Domenech finally gets sacked. And I think that was right. So now we get to Euro 2012. Well, Laurent Blanc was the was the manager at the time. I'm not sure what to say, but Laurent Blanc. I mean, France. I mean, France qualified for the 2012 Euro. I guess they did okay. I mean, they they did go to the quarterfinals where they lost where they lost to Spain, but. I was. I just still felt like France is still not good. They they still they they still haven't they still haven't earned their respect. I mean, at, at the time they were still not not, not respect for the world because they were still suffering from the uh, from the from the aftermath of, of, of the uh, of the handball during the 2010 World Cup qualifying. Now we finally get to something very special, the 2014 World Cup. Wow. Now. The qualifying ended up ended up pretty stressful because you know being in the same group as Spain. I mean, Spain topped the group, which which meant France had to go to the playoff and and win two games in in order to qualify. And as France lost their first game two nothing to Ukraine on the road, I was so stressful I could not sleep well. France needed three goals to qualify. And somehow, somewhere in the second leg at home, France won 3-0 and thus qualified for the 2014 World Cup. And it was at that time where France was finally starting to re-earn their respect. 
they were drawing praise. They were being respected. Although they weren't considered favorites, but people were saying France is finally showing signs of being good again. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, that's when France was beginning to have a, was beginning to build a golden a golden generation. Now the 2014 World Cup, it was definitely a success. They went to, they made it to the quarterfinals, losing to Germany, which was honestly a very annoying game. I mean, France, you know, losing to Germany. Germany scored in the 13th minute off of a free kick, you know, a header from Mats from German defender Mats Hummels. I'm pretty sure that's who, who scored. Germany scored early. <clears throat> and France had all the time in the world to not only equalize and win, so I think France just did not come to that game prepared. I mean, they were lucky to lose only 1-0, but... But the ending, you know, it is what it is. I told my dad, you know what? As a French supporter, I'm happy that France was was made to the quarterfinals. France did not have to cheat or, you know, have to rely on, on controversial decisions by the ref. France got there by themselves. They just came up short. Now, now we get to a very, very interesting part. Euro 2016, which was hosted in France. And I was so sure that France was going to win it. And they almost did until that loss to Portugal in the final. Now, before I get too deep in the 2016 Euro, I want to talk about the omission of Karim Benzema. Because that should bring up a lot of memories. Because you know, when my dad found out about it, it really reminded him of the omission of Eric Cantona. And it's understandable because the decision to omit Karim Benzema, I mean, well, it certainly shocked me. Now I'm going to get to that in a second. But for now, I got to take a moment and think why. Why was Kareem Benzema? Because that's the first thing that's the first thing that came to mind. Why is Kareem Benzema being omitted? And I'm gonna tell you why. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Alex Alcazaz, and I am here to talk to you about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. And not only is it easy. It is free. Yes, that's right. Absolutely free. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so that way it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms out there. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's it's very simple, folks. Everything you need to make a podcast in just one simple place, and that is Anchor. So, download the free Anchor app or go to www.anchor.fm to get started. What are you waiting for? Download the app, start your podcast, start having fun, live your dreams. I will be listening. Best of luck to y'all. Do it now. Apparently, he was omitted because he was going through some legal issues. Now, if I remember the story correctly, it has something to do with the blackmailing of a, of a teammate, of a French international teammate named Mathieu Valbuena, involving something with a sex tape. I mean, I, I don't know fully what the whole situation is, 
But, but to get straight to the point to you folks is that Karim Benzema was dealing with some legal issues. Now, I told myself, look, it sucks that Karim Benzema is not going to be part of the squad. But you know what? This is the opportunity. This, this opens the door for another French player. This opens the door for you to become the next superstar. And I didn't really know who it was. I told myself, we're, we're going to find out in the tournament. Now, when it was announced that Benzema would not be picked for the, for the Euro 2016 uh, tournament, Benzema responded thinking that Didier Deschamps, the manager of the French national team, folded because of, fran- uh, of uh, pressure from, from the French racism. Look, to say that Didier Deschamps omitted Karim Benzema because of racism, I mean, come on, that is really stupid. I mean, come on. All the players on the French team right now, Paul Pogba, Kylian Mbappe, Samuel Umtiti, N'Golo Kante, all those guys. I mean, come on. If Deschamps was racist, would those guys really be on the team? I mean, come on, I mean, Benzema was obviously frustrated, but you know what? It is what it is. I was not happy about the omission. My dad was not happy, and I'm pretty sure every French supporter was very was disappointed. I, I mean, definitely shocked. I mean, I don't know, maybe some of them weren't so disappointed because there's always, there's, there's always fans that don't like or not a fan of a certain big player then. But it is what it is. So, the, the Euro 16 tournament with the omission of Karim Benzema was an opportunity to see France's next big uh, player. And that's where the huge emergence of Antoine Griezmann came about. Because Antoine Griezmann, in the 2014 World Cup, I mean, he, he did play, but he was still a young guy. And and just like, see, just like Zinedine Zidane in the 1996 uh, Euro, in the 2014 World Cup, Antoine Griezmann was not at his best. Now, Griezmann was already going through a rough time because he was he was a, he was playing for Atletico Madrid at the time, and in the Euro and, and right before Euro twenty Euro sixteen, Atletico Madrid was in the Champions League final against um against Real Madrid, and there was a and that game's really hard to remember. I mean, it's definitely hard for to swallow, you know, for for a big uh, Antoine Griezmann supporters because um. If I remember uh, correct, um, there was uh, you know at Lego in the Real Madrid in the final. Uh, if there was a time where uh, okay, well I mean I, I think I'm confusing everybody, but anyway, he was in the he was in the Champions League final, but Atletico Madrid came up short, and it was it was tough for him. And then if people thought, you know, the Euro 16 is his way, you know, to, to, to redeem himself, to, uh, to, to resurrect the situation. And it almost happened. Because Euro 16 saw Anton Griezmann really rise to prominence as far as international level goes. <clears throat> Excuse me. <sighs> Sorry about that. So anyway, Euro 16, France makes it to the final. They eliminate Germany in the semifinals, and then they lose to Portugal. I mean, that's definitely a heartbreaker. I mean, I, I remember how you know how heartbroken I was. But 
Antoine Griezmann really made a name for himself in that tournament because he was named the player of the tournament and he was also awarded the golden boot. So, even though he could not win the title, he made a name for himself and he became France's, France's big superstar. And Antoine Griezmann was only 25 years old. He was young. I mean, he was not yet in his prime. This was when he was finally entering his prime. But it was a, it was very shocking for him because I felt like you know the Euro 16 final against Portugal was really gonna it was really gonna make him. You know, I, I thought you know I, I predicted that he was gonna score a brace and France was was easily gonna win it. And there you go again, France. You know, not coming the game prepared, acting arrogant, whatnot. France ultimately pays the price. So now we finally get to the 2018 World Cup. Now, France did not have a very convincing World Cup qualifying. I mean, yes, they did top their group, beating, beating the likes of the Netherlands, Sweden, and then a couple of uh, small countries, uh, Belarus, Luxembourg. I'm not entirely sure what the other one was. Um... But anyway, no matter. But we also remember how. In, oh, it was against. Oh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria was the other team. Bulgaria. No. I'll never forget during qualifying when France drew against Luxembourg at home. I mean, that was just unbelievable. But nonetheless, France topped the group and, and, and automatically qualified. Now, when, when I, I did watch the uh, the World Cup uh, group drawings, and France was drawn with Denmark, Peru, and Australia. And I told myself this. There is absolutely no excuse for poor play in the group stage. However, that's exactly what happened because France did not have a good performance in the group stage. Narrowly beating Australia in the opening game 2-1. to one, Beating Peru 1-0 and drawing against Denmark. I mean, it's two wins and a draw. You know, scoring only three goals and allowing one. That, 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 that's just a disappointment. An absolute disappointment. And then France... We find out France plays Argentina in the round of 16. So I told myself this. Which French national team is going to show up? One that is focused, fresh, and ready to play? Or one that is unprepared, arrogant, and absolutely distracted? But then I thought, Argentina has struggles of their own. And France could take advantage of it. But as we know that France, sometimes they fail to capitalize on golden opportunities. But I told myself this. This game could be France versus Argentina or France versus Lionel Messi. And amazingly, Argentina showed up, showed up this game as a team. Based on how we remember watching the game. But France was focused. I mean, Mbappe, Griezmann, the, the, the midfield, the, the defense... France and Argentina, that round of 16 game, folks, for those of you who watched it, you know damn well that is that goes down as one of the greatest World Cup matches of all time. And I was much to my surprise. France won the game 4-3. France took the lead on a penalty. but And, and then we all remember Angel Di Maria equalizing with that magnificent kick. And then uh, three minutes into the second half, Argentina takes the lead. And now I'm thinking, great. This is the end of it. Another, another disappointing end for France. Didier Deschamps is going to get sacked. 
all the all these young players, you know, it's it's wasted talent. The future is not bright. And then all of a sudden, Benjamin Pavard. Oh my God, that equalizing goal of his—it's still in my head. I mean, I will not forget it. I mean, I cannot forget it. And for those of you who watch this game, you remember Benjamin Pavard's equalizing goal. I'm sure none of you can damn well forget it. Absolutely magnificent. And then that's when Kylian Mbappe would score a brace. And France won and advanced to the quarterfinals. And I told my dad, this is the French national team that I like. A resilient team that comes from behind, scores goals, and gets the job done. And fin- and plays hard until the final whistle. Now we get to the quarterfinals against U- U- Uruguay. If I'm mispronouncing you folks, I'm, I-, I apologize. Against Uruguay, France wins 2 to nothing. Now that game... Edinson Cavani did not play. Now, Uruguay had just knocked out Portugal. And, and we all remember how Edinson Cavani scored a brace in that game to help Uruguay advance. But he suffered an injury. He was out of the game. But I still felt, you know what? Uruguay is so well organized. They're so well disciplined. They could still win without Cavani. So, so I told myself, France better be ready for anything. France's defense was just absolutely solid, and France scoring two goals and winning it two nothing. Man, unbelievable! Although there were a couple of times where, where uh, France did commit some, uh, did, did play a little, did they, they did behave a little arrogant. I mean, Mbappe was a play where he dove, and you know the whole Uruguayan team was getting pissed off. So France was kind of France was still being arrogant in a sense, but somehow they were still keeping it together, which is much to my surprise. So now we get to France versus Belgium in the semifinal. Man, I gotta tell you, folks, this is this is one of the s- stressful. This was more this was more stressful to me than, than the game against Brazil in 2006, or the game against Croatia in the semifinals of 1998. I mean, this was definitely the most hard fought. This France's one nothing win against Belgium in the semifinals has to be France's most hard fought match of all time. Belgium loaded. Eden Hazard, Romelu Lukaku, Marwan Fellani, Kevin De Bruyne, and, and this Belgian team had knocked out Brazil in the quarterfinals. But the French defense just absolutely contained that brilliant Belgian attack. Because Belgium threatened and threatened and threatened, and Hugo Lloris made those fantastic saves. I think Belgium, even though Belgium's threatened several times, I mean, there were times where France, you know, launched uh, early counterattacks. Uh, you know, when Belgium was threatened early on, France would thwart those attacks early. Belgium was just not able to score, and France just took advantage. I mean, France did not score directly. I mean, France scored off of a off a corner kick. Samuel Umtiti uh, scored on the header, and we all remember that dance he did, that celebration dance he did. But that game was just. It was unbelievable, and I, I consider it to be a really good game. France and Belgium, you know, both both having amazing attacks, and then both playing so solid on defense. It was just unbelievable. I mean, I, I expected the, the game to go to the penalty kicks. I expected the game to end in regulation and extra time with a 1-1 score. But somehow, France's defense just survived and, and, and like, survived that magnificent Belgian attack. I mean, Belgian, like, just, you know... Every, t- uh, every attempt to score would just be saved or a miss. I mean, Belgium was could not score. I think Belgium just kind of uh, crumbled under pressure. Well, you know what? No. That, 
That's not right to say. They did not crumble under pressure because if they did, France would probably would have won three nothing, and then Belgium would have just given up. But that's not who Bel that's not what Belgium does. I mean, Belgium's golden generation is just too damn good. So France advance. France wins the game one nothing, and it and returns to the final for the first time in twelve years against Croatia. Now let's let me take a moment and talk about how Croatia did in the, in the 2018 World Cup. Well. They did survive a bit of our group, surviving a group against Argentina, Nigeria, and Iceland. To be honest, I did not have Croatia making it out of the group stage. I had Argentina and Nigeria uh, uh, advancing. And that game, when Croatia defeated Argentina, I was like, what the hell am I seeing? Is this a fucking dream? No. And then Croatia... Their knockout run, you know, in the World Cup, I'm just like, what is this? I mean, this is absolutely incredible. I mean, Croatia earned the respect. Absolutely earned respect. Earned their respect. And when they played England in the semifinals, I told myself, I don't even know who... I mean, I, I, to, I, I told myself, to be honest, I was hoping that England would win because I would have loved to have watched uh, France versus England in the final. But Croatia, you know, winning 2-1, to one, and they became the second smallest country by population to reach the World Cup final. I was like, man, this is just, this is unbelievable. Congratulations to Croatia. So now we get to the final, France versus Croatia. Well, the final really gives I mean, that gives France another bad taste. So it, it, it gives them a, a, another bad look because, well, France won that game, but many people say it's because the referee helped them. Look, I'm going to be honest, folks. Yes, that, that free kick that free kick were, were, where uh, that gave France the lead because uh, I believe it was uh, Mandzukic. Uh, I'm not sure. It was, it was uh, well... It, it, it doesn't matter. So anyway, so there was a time where Antoine Griezmann did actually dive. Yes, he did dive, and then France was awarded a free kick, which was controversial. And France scored, but it was based, it was considered it was you know a Croatian player made a mistake, you know, touched the ball, and the ball went in. And it was considered it was went in as an own goal. But after that, we get to uh, and then Croatia equalized, and that, that's when the game started becoming a bit more controversial because France was awarded a penalty. Uh, via the, the VAR for a handball by Perisic. Now, a lot of you are not going to agree on me on this, but I don't think the penalty was controversial. I think the penalty was the right decision. Because as we see, if you look directly, as the ball come, Paris, uh, Perisic moved his hand towards the ball. And I think that was a giveaway. I mean, I could be wrong, but from what I saw, the penalty was legitimate. And, and France being awarded that penalty was the right call. But look, yeah, it's sad that, I mean, in France's case, it, it, it's very disappointing and sad that they had to rely on a penalty just to give, just to put it back ahead in the game. But look, France capitalized on this opportunity. I mean, look, the referee double-checked, if, if we remember correctly, he double-checked the VAR. So we have to give it the fact that he double-checked, he looked thoroughly... And he made his decision. And if you look closely, Perisic moved his hand. So, in my opinion, folks, I mean, I know some of y'all won't agree, and you're gonna, and you're not gonna like me for this. But 
The handball did happen. The penalty was legitimate. Fans took advantage and just didn't look back. In the second half, when Paul Pogba scored, made it 3-1, to one, just blew me away. And then Mbappe, Kylian Mbappe, and I'm actually, it's very disappointed, I didn't get to talk to him much in this episode. When Kylian Mbappe scored that goal, he became the second teenager in World Cup history to score in the World Cup final. Since Pele himself, and that's just absolutely amazing. Mbappe, the 19-year-old sensation, just ma- making a big name for himself. I mean, as he did in that game against Argentina, Mbappe helped his, na- his team win the national title at the age of 19. And today, at 20 years old, he's still doing great things. He's just, he's just being himself, is he? Isn't he? So now we finally got through the, the 2018 World Cup. France won, and I was happy because it was great to see, finally see them win it again after you know 12 you know 12 hard years of you know waiting and wondering, just wondering. You know, I told myself, you know what? People can criticize the critics can t- trash talk all they want. They can put France down all they want, but one way or the other, France is one day going to be the world champions again, and they did it. Now. I want to take a moment to talk about the curse of the defending champions because a lot of my friends are asking me about it if I'm worried about it. <clears throat> Excuse me. In a sense, yes, I am actually worried about it. But you know what I've noticed lately, folks? Is that from research, the curse of the defending champions has only hit the defending champions one time. Brazil suffered it in 1966. But then Brazil wins the World Cup in 70, and I believe they finished the 74 World Cup in third place. And then in, <coughs> excuse me, 1994, they won it again. They went back to the final, but lost. 2006, Brazil won it. Uh, 2002, France, Brazil wins it again. 2006, they get they make it to the quarterfinals. Same thing with Germany. Germany wins the World Cup in 74, but in 78, they didn't suffer. The, they didn't suffer the. They didn't suffer the curse. Or winning it, they won it in 1990. 94, they didn't suffer the curse. Although they lost, they lost Bulgaria in the quarterfinals. Although some people will say that's a curse. In Italy in 1982, although they lost in the round of they lost in the first round of 16 to two nothing to France. So, but that's not the point. I mean, they may, they would make it past the group stage. So Germany finally suffered that in 2018, and then Italy suffered theirs in 2010, and we all know how Spain suffered theirs in 2014. So my point, folks, is maybe just maybe the curse of the defending champions strikes just once. If France does have a good World Cup in 2022, makes it maybe to the quarterfinals or the semifinals, maybe the maybe maybe, maybe it's then true. The curse only happens one time, but we're gonna have to wait and see. See, right now France is, France is qualified for the 2020 Euro, although I'm not really happy that they're put, they're put in such a brutal group. I mean, they're in a group with Portugal and Germany. <laughs> now that's a goddamn challenge. That's something I really did not hope to, to happen. But you know what? France has a very young golden generation. I think France is going to do just fine. I think France is going to. Ma- I think France is going to make it to the semifinals. And I predict that France probably loses to Belgium. I think. I think Belgium wins the Euro 20. But I think France makes makes it to the final four, comes up short, and then maybe they they redeem themselves to the World Cup. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Well, folks, that there's the journey. Now let me answer the question. So now you know how difficult it is to be a French na- to be a sport of the French national team based on the journey I just took you guys. 
there are hard times, there are easy times, there are good times and bad times. And being a French supporter, well, I mean, I know that better than anyone. I mean, for, for the, you know, to be a supporter of the German national team, well, I mean, they experienced disappointment in the 2018 World Cup, which, which by the way, I still feel like was just absolutely, like, shocking. I, I, thought, I thought that was a nightmare. I mean, South Korea, Germany losing to South Korea, then losing to Mexico, I was like, damn. But, but here's something that, here's the hardest part about being a supporter of the French national team, is the racism that, 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 that is endured. Look, yes, a majority of the players are black, but you know what? They're Frenchmen. They're not Africans. I mean, to say that they're the France, it's an African team. That's that's racist. More probably, folks. That is that is absolutely stupid. Okay, sure. A couple of them were born. I mean, um, Samuel Umtiti was born in Cameroon, and Patrice Evra was born in Senegal. I mean, a couple of them were born outside of France. But you know what? They all grew up in France, and they have French citizenship, which makes them French, which makes them eligible to support France. So to call them an African team is just beyond ridiculous, folks. France is a French team. The, play, the, the team that won the, the World Cup, they're Frenchmen. Mbappe, Angolo Conte, all of them, they're all Frenchmen. But that's the point right there, folks. The racism that's been a problem in France and that's affected the national team, that's the biggest struggle because I've stuck up for that. I mean, I was born in France as Syrian immigrants. I'm just like most of those players. I'm born, I was born to immigrants. And then people th- look at us and say, you're not French. You don't belong here. That's the tough part, folks. The toughest part of being a, a supporter of the French national team and French soccer is the racism. Because the racism gives it gives the sport a bad name. It gives the, the, the French society a bad name. It's, it's absolutely awful. It's a cancer. So as a strong supporter of the French national team, I pray to put an end to racism. We need to more tolerant that we all unite together france won as a team france trusted each other it doesn't matter about it's not about politics the color of your skin where you come from it's the fact that we're all french they're compatriots they're brothers they went together they bring home the national title they make their country proud and that's what france did france has done that twice and i pray that france can, can keep doing that that france is going to do it again to fight, it's to fight against racism. It's to put it into it. Well, folks, I hope y'all enjoyed my journey as a, um, the journey and my life as a French as a supporter of the French national team. Well, from, what, from everything I just told you, I think you'll learn that it's not easy being a f- supporter of the, of the national team. Au revoir, tout le monde. Bonne nuit. Good night, everybody. See y'all again soon.